what would you rather have Alex Cooper or Emily Ratajkowski do? You just to talk about blowjobs and me to just wear bikinis? How does that make sense to anyone? How is that progressive? I'm Emily Ratajkowski, aka Emrata. This is High Low. High Low is a podcast where we talk about lowbrow things in a highbrow way and vice versa. Hello, this is Emily Ratajkowski, aka Emrata. This is High Low with Emrata, my new podcast. Welcome back. High Low consists of two episodes a week plus a bonus subscription episode. One of those episodes is a solo episode entitled Emrata Ass, where I pose a question, we investigate the question, we try to have some interesting food for thought, get to the bottom of it, or at least come to some kind of conclusion. That episode already happened this week because I wanted to do something special. Next week, we'll be getting into the normal pace of things, which will be having a conversation on Tuesdays. I have a really great guest next Tuesday. I think you guys are going to be very excited about. And then Thursday, we'll have the Emrata Ass. Talk Back is the subscription bonus episode where I will basically be responding and opening up the conversation to what you all are thinking and, and feeling and responding to in whatever we've covered that week. So that's coming next week. Obviously, needed to get some responses um, from you all before we, we had that episode. So today we have a wonderful guest on the queen of podcasting herself, Miss Alex Cooper. Call her daddy fame. When I was thinking about who I wanted to have on as my first guest, it just it seemed like a really good omen <laughs> to have somebody who's built one of the most popular podcasts in the world on as a guest. There's a lot I can learn from her. I think that her personal evolution, what she's done with her business and the daddy gang, all of it is is really impressive and actually just so interesting. So enjoy the conversation. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. I'll start crying. Apparently, I'm allergic to mascara, so just if you see me dabbing, I could be crying. Because- the edit I'm going to make <laughs> is just that you're so emotional because we have such an incredible conversation, and that's going to be all that people see. And I'm just going to cut this part out about the mascara. So no, Emily <laughs> said something so <laughs> profound, and you just cut to me being like. <laughs> Hello, Alex Cooper. Welcome to High Low with Emrata. This is... Let's start that over. I just cut you off. It's all good. Cut me off. Girl, you are the queen of podcasting. It's why I have you here as my first guest. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Your set is so cute. I feel cozy. I was trying to think about who I wanted for a first guest. And I told you this when I first started thinking about having a podcast. Like, I reached out to you right away because I admire you so much and what you've done and how you do it. And yeah, you're the EP creator host of Call Her Daddy. Like, it's you. Thank and people you. don't even realize that you you edit a lot of the stuff, right? What's yeah. your background with so that? So I started writing and producing and 
directing it and then being the host. And I'm fortunate that like through my deal and the success, I've been able to obviously have a larger team around me. But the team is really just to help. I'm still a psycho. There's no doubt about it. Even someone's trying to edit. I'm like, Mm. it's just not what I want. So here, (laughs) why don't you just scooch over? And I relate. I do respect everyone on my team so much. And I have found so many great people that come in and help me. But I'm definitely still 100% hands-on because I don't think Call Her Daddy would be what it is if I just stepped away from it. So it's important for me to still have my hands on everything. Yeah. And you're POV. Like, that's what makes the show special. But you started editing in high school. Yeah. I was a complete nerd obsessed with it was actually before high school I started editing and I was obsessed with editing with like iMovie like I need to understand no it was actually movie maker shout out to anyone that was a techie back then nobody watching this is probably a techie (laughs) they're like we have no idea what that is but I was obsessed with movie maker and I would cut these really embarrassing clips of myself but I was just obsessed with it which I now know was a good thing I guess because it's helped me my career but at the time it wasn't cool people be like what are you doing you were like built to do this or something everything about your personality, your intelligence, obviously, but then you have these really specific skills that are, yeah. Thank you. No, it's definitely your ways. <laughs> We're going to have an editing session together, Emily, and you're going to be cutting your promo clip. I'm the same way as you, though. I really like to be hands-on. When I started podcasting with Sony, they were like, so who edits your reels and TikToks? And I was like, I do. I took video film, advanced video film in high school. Okay. Hold <laughs> no, on. no, 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 no. I wasn't like in a, you were in your basement. Like I wasn't. You're committed. making me sound so creepy. Like you were in the basement. <laughs> I was in a film class. I'm <laughs> creepy because I know this. No, I'm creepy because I know you took four years of editing in was, high school. Yeah. No, it's been very helpful for my career. Ugh. All right. So there's so many things I want to talk to you about today. Okay. I want to backtrack a little okay, bit. We got to go to the beginnings of Call Her Daddy. What age were you when you started recording? and call her daddy? I was, I think it was 2018. So I was, that was four years ago. So 23 into 24. That's so young. I was so young. (laughs) Period. I was so young. Yeah. It was very spur of the moment and it just took off in a way that I didn't anticipate it to. So I wasn't really prepared. So I told you I listened to early episodes and I had known, okay, don't shake your head. You're just backstabbing me. No, I'm just kidding. No. (laughs) First of all, no. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to preface this. My early career stuff when I was like 20 whatever. There are things I am mortified that you can still it's still like the top 10 Google images is something that I shot when I was 20, 21. Obviously blurred lines. Anytime somebody brings that up, I'm like, whatever. You had such a personal outlet. I had I remember I had in high school and like my first year of college, I had a blog spot throwback. It's been deleted. I managed to break in and delete everything. But I remember seeing it even just three years later. I was like, what? I started it when I was 19. I went on when I was like 22. And I was like, delete all of this. I can't believe this exists. So you have that, but you can't delete it. It's your voice. It exists in the world forever. What's that like? It's strange. I'm not an absolute psycho. Like, it's very strange, I would say. I think at first, I don't know what it is, and I think I need to talk to my therapist about this, (laughs) but there was never a moment for me, content-wise and publicly, that I had a hard time being open on the internet. It just never phased me. I I'm remember. The same way. Right? I have talked to my therapist about this. Okay, too. great. So we, your therapist can send me a little letter and explain it to me because I think there's something about feeling safe 
sure that you at first don't have to face your problems in front of someone. You can just say it and then close your eyes and hope for dear life that people respond to it in a positive way. But I do think there was something about Call Her Daddy that felt very comfortable to me, even though to the world it seemed very uncomfortable that I was talking about sex so explicitly. But I remember when I filmed the third episode of Call Her Daddy, which is one of the most famous episodes. It's the one I listened to last night. Okay. The Glock Glock <laughs> yes. 9000. I wasn't going to say it, but and, I'm down. <laughs> and so I remember so many people were like, oh my God, what does your dad think? But I, I remember I was really not nervous at all. And I was like, is there something wrong with me? But I think it's just because I was confident in the message that I was really trying to put out, which was to make women and men just feel empowered to have a conversation about sex that I really didn't feel like was being had, especially in the millennial space. I was like, there's no one really having open conversations about sex that's fun, raunchy, raw. I just felt like I can have these conversations with my girlfriends in college and they're so funny. And I mean, I'm sure you have them, but then online I was like, there's a lack of information that makes you feel safe and comfortable with sex. And I don't know. I was, I think when I look back at my younger self, of course there's things that I cringe. I'm like, why did you say that, Alex? What were you going through that day that you thought it was appropriate to say that? But if anything, it wasn't more about myself. It was if I ever spoke on anyone else is what I'm having more of an issue with moving forward, just taking the note for myself. Maybe don't shit talk people that you don't know what they're going through. And that also just comes with time and experience and age. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But no, I cringe a little bit at my voice I was doing this whole like, hi, I'm Alex from Call Her Daddy, bitch. I'm like, (laughs) by the way, I love it. (laughs) It's a great character. When I listened to it the other night, I was like, this is amazing. It's so funny too, just to hear you say how intentional what you were doing was and how quickly people would be able to write off a blonde 23 year old woman and be like she's an idiot what is her dad gonna think what's her mom gonna think and then you're like catch me in a few years (laughs) it's like the jessica simpson phenomenon where it's like she knew exactly the character she was playing like paris hilton same thing and like the bimbo phenomenon like in the way that people just disregard women so easily and you knew you were in complete control you're like hello there's white space here totally this is something and i'm willing to do it i don't give a fuck well i think that's what frustrated me too was Obviously, in the beginning, people really tried to pigeonhole me as like the girl that's really get good at giving blowjobs. And I'm like, thank you. That's yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, what a fire also, thing to add to your resume. Right. But also it's but I'm running a business and I'm not all just sex. And I felt it was hard definitely to try to transition out of that period. But I don't regret it at all. Yeah. I think that what Call Her Daddy early days, it was incredible. And I really do think that it was so liberating to be able to have conversations openly about sex. And it frustrated me that men can openly talk about it. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. That's so mysterious. And then women, it's like, you're a fucking whore. You're yeah. a slut. And I was like, well, no one doesn't take them seriously right. if they then talk about sex, right? Like, oh, yeah, of course. You're just locker room talk. You're, You're just, just a man. Listen, again, so grateful for how Caller Daddy started, but there is no denying that there was definitely a very long period of time where I tried to transition the show and there was so much pushback, not from my audience. It was really from media being like, she's the sex girl. And not to call anyone out, but my publicist even has had conversations with magazines and they're like, we will give her in the magazine multiple pages. But I don't think we're ready for a cover because I don't think the world's ready for that because she still really embodies sex. 
I'm so pissed for you. Really? What you've done in this space is it's amazing. Thank Nobody you. else has done it. Thank you. You are a pioneer. Thank you. And for people to be slow to mm. give you respect and basically be afraid and because they want to put you in this one kind of box as a slutty girl. Listen, we have a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to him yesterday and I was getting really excited. And he was like, something I was thinking about you guys, which I think I'm still in the process of doing, but you've done so well, is transition, pivot. It's hard for any person to do that in a public space. I think it's particularly hard for young women. And I have the stats. It's like you had 60, 40 women, men back in 2018. Now it's 90% women listening to you. That's I right. It. I'm so sorry. Round I love applause. it. All the girlies. All the girlies. I love it. It's for the girls only. It is. It is. But you have transitioned. I watched your Roe v. Wade episode where you went to North Carolina, and it's so powerful. And you're a really gifted interviewer, but you're really smart. And putting yourself in that situation, I was like, she's a journalist. Like, she's a really smart journalist. No, I mean it genuinely. And is it so surprising that she can talk about blowjobs and be incredibly entertaining talking about like, facials and whatever mm -hmm. else and then also do that what's so confusing about that i agree with you i think when even going back to what you said earlier of men can have the conversation about it and it's expected and it's normal and women can't i think there is definitely something of the world we live in is trying to suppress the opportunity of women being equal to men. And so we are deemed as the sexual beings. We have the sexual body parts. We're looked at as sexy. And so God forbid we normalize having the conversation and we're equal and we can just shoot the shit as well. As a human being, I'm not having sex every yeah. single day of the week a hundred times. Like I have different things about me. I love sex. Yeah. I do love men. I love my boyfriend, but yeah. there's also parts of me that I felt I wasn't being able to embrace mm -hmm. and explore creatively in the business space because people wanted me to stay in the she's the sex girl. I think the Roe v. Wade episode was a moment for me to show call her daddy. We can have fun one week and we can also talk about really important topics that yeah. the whole premise really of it was, of course, abortion was at the forefront, but the I would say the ethos behind it was the feeling of we are not equal to men. Yeah. That is a fact. Like, let me go and prove it yes. on the ground. Let, and me, let me show you what it's like yes. to not have control over your body. Absolutely. And I think that was an eye-opening moment because I wasn't trying to convince anyone to go vote or do this. It was really yeah. just, hey, guys, let's just watch what's going on. And I appreciate the audience that I have for being so open because I know it was a little different than what I usually do. And it was pretty heavy. Yeah. But I do think that I have a responsibility to shed light on that. And that was, I think, for me in my career, a very cool moment because yeah. for the first time in a very long time, the headlines shifted. Hmm. And it was, of course, like Alex Cooper gets political where I was like, okay, if that's the headline, fine. But Ugh, it finally wasn't mentioning the sex and this and that. Yeah. And it was refreshing. And I appreciated being looked at in a different light. I hope that we can live in a world maybe we will eventually because of what you're doing, where you're able to do a podcast about blowjobs and then the next talk about a really important political topic. I agree. Because like, that's reality, right? Like yeah. in the morning you have morning sex and then you read the news and you get pissed off about something. And then you have a smart conversation with your friend and then later you like put on a slutty dress. That is to me part of 
my reality. Yes. But I mean, a lot of, and we talked about this a little bit ahead of recording this, a lot of the kind of accusations that I've been thrown about that, like I just wore, I'm recently single, I wore this fun little slutty dress out. It was actually, I thought it was quite chic. It was see-through. It's amazing. I saw it. Thank you so much. I was stalking. I saw it. Thank you so much. I was like at that party for an hour, but it was so fun. My girlfriend works for the brand that had the dress. She got it sent over. I like was like, can I put it on? I was like, can I do this? Can I leave the house like this? And then I was like, I'm feeling myself. This is so fun. You know, I'm 31. I had a baby 16 months ago. It's or God, no. God, it's been a year and a half now. He's getting so and it felt really good. And then all of a sudden, there was this real response of how can she expect us to take us or take her seriously while she also parades her body around like that? And it's something that I've heard forever. And but I've just basically been accused of having extreme internalized misogyny and playing into the male gaze. And it's something that I basically wrote my book about. So shout out anybody who wants to get into it. You can read my book, but it's something I think about all the time. Okay, this conversation will continue in a second. Go to hilo.fm, H-I-G-H-L-O-W.fm to join the conversation and subscribe to Hilo Talk Back, which is my subscription episode where we get to chat about all the things that have happened this week on the pod. We'll be right back with Alex right after this break. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. I'm not interviewing you, but I did want to know how did that make you, how does that make you feel when you see those comments about you on the internet and headlines essentially objectifying you and trying to pigeonhole you into she's still just the sex girl that's hot? If I'm being totally honest, I feel shame. I felt bad about myself. I feel like I shouldn't have worn that dress. Like it was a mistake and I feel ashamed. And how did you feel when you were wearing the dress? Great. I had so much fun. My, I was with all of my girlfriends who were just hyping me up, taking videos, being like, do you want me to post this? And then I'll, I'll put, I'm of single. Course. It's fun. And it feels really good to have your friends be like, yes, bitch. You know what I mean? So I felt really great. But I knew what was coming. I got home and I was like, well, that was fun. But even when I put it on, I had this moment of, do I wear this? Is this, I send it to my friend. I was like, am I allowed? loud, which was a joke, but also it wasn't a joke. I think that for you, it's, yes, there's no denying that the world started to know Emily Ratajkowski, we can just call it as it is, is like this hot, beautiful, sexy, incredible woman. Thank you. Yeah. But then there was depth underneath that. I think that honestly, even just as a viewer and consumer, I notice it that people really try to suppress of like, no, we don't want to hear what you have to say. Just actually wear the dress, but then just don't. But that's the parallel with you, right? People mm-hmm. are like, Alex Cooper, you're so fun when you talk about blowjobs and like group chats and all mm-hmm. the things that we talk about privately and you're just willing to say it. Do more of that and don't talk about serious issues or anything outside of that. It is. It's. I think that people have a hard time believing that women, especially women that are going to go there and feel sexually liberated, they have a hard time believing that we can be multifaceted and they don't appreciate us straying from the norm. But I think the main thing for me that frustrates me is what would you rather have Alex Cooper or Emily Ratajkowski do. You'd rather us just continue to like you just to talk about 
blowjobs and me to just wear bikinis. It's actually wrong for us to go in outside of our lane. How does that make sense to anyone? How is that progressive? I think there's a lot of people that do want that. Yeah. And then I think and there's women a- too who want that. Yes. What you just said made me think about evolution and contradictions and you have put yourself out there so much through the years and kind of been able to be to navigate that and ha- and grow a fan base and daddy gang we love daddy gang proud member of daddy gang i have to say by the way when i did book press this is like a side note watching the daddy gang rally was so impressive and just i was like oh she's a genius and have built something so impressive but i guess what i just wanted to talk to you about is what is that like to evolve your opinions and have personal growth on a public stage and sometimes walk something back that you felt really firmly I really personally believe in that mm-hmm. I think it's so important to say I was wrong about this and that's something that I've done especially around my politics and around feminism where I'm like okay this is why I said that this in this moment I don't necessarily completely disagree with it now but it's grown my feelings and my opinions about this thing have grown listen I used to say things in my podcast that I wouldn't say I don't agree with, but I think I've said things in my past that don't align with where I'm at now because I've grown, I've matured, I've had more experiences. Are there things I've said in my past that I'm like, Alex? Who is that not true for? Of course. And that's why I hope that people can have a little bit more grace, especially Everyone moving forward is mostly going to be on social. We have Gen Z, the next generation, and we weren't built to be spewing our thoughts publicly. Every single person on the planet, I dare you to DM me if you haven't, has talked shit on someone. That's a fact. It's just innately in us. We are just comparing ourselves to human beings. Sure, does it come from a place of insecurity? Whatever. I don't give a shit. You've talked shit. But when you have this public platform now that people are on and there's so many positives to it. But my younger self, I didn't know what I was doing. I've talked shit on celebrities back in my past and I've walked into rooms with them and been like, I'm so sorry. It's embarrassing. Right. But that the person that's made that comment didn't know the celebrity at the time, or it doesn't even have to be a celebrity. The person didn't have an understanding and also was probably just insecure and just trying to make noise because I was talking on the internet and wanted something to say. So I think the contradictions are, hey, Two years ago, one year ago, I said I would never get political on my podcast. I just released an episode about Roe v. Wade. That's a contradiction, right? But I think it's actually a contradiction in my mind. Listen, if you're completely contradicting yourself and you're saying one thing that's so outrageous and outlandish in the next day, you're like, I never said that. That's not appropriate. I don't think it's a contradiction. I think that's evolution. For me, it's more like I am growing and I genuinely meant that. A year ago, I didn't want to get involved with politics because I wasn't educated enough on it that I felt comfortable to speak on it. And I think that's something that I've definitely evolved into in my career is not making such quick comments on things that I don't have an understanding of. And if you asked me to have a conversation about Roe v. Wade a year ago, I would have probably slid back and hid behind people that knew what they were talking about because I appreciate the responsibility that I have on my platform. And I don't want to talk about something that I'm not educated on. Sure, I'm going to I don't know everything still about if you ask me every single date, Roe v. Wade, 1973. I'm not going to I know some of it, but I think it's more just the contradiction comes from growth and an interest in learning and then change. And now, yeah, 
I am interested in politics. I'm 28 years old. When I was 24, I wanted to hook up with boys, Mm -hmm. drink beer, look (laughs) cute, and have a good time. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's important to let women know that. I think it's really important also what you're saying about politics. Something that bothers me about the left and like Democrats is that there's this feeling of you need to know all your facts. You need to be like reading the New York Times every day and like checking in on DC in order to have a political opinion or to be quote unquote political. That's not true. And I think that there it turns people off to being engaged politically or even having opinions because they're like, I can't even dip a toe. It seems like such a mess. And it's just about what you feel. And yes, there's levels to education and it's important to educate yourself as much as you can. But I think what you're saying is actually really important because there are a lot of people who are disengaged politically and they have a lot of shame around that and we do a lot of work to shame them and that's not helpful (laughs) for anyone. It's not helpful at all and I think I have publicly said it like if you asked me four years ago I voted because my dad was like, Alex, vote. Like, I was just not in a place where I was out of college. I was like, I don't care. Am I actually going to make a difference? And I wasn't educated on the topic. And I used to be ashamed of that. And now I'm realizing as I've evolved of, hold on, now that I have a little bit better of an understanding, the issue is it's made to feel like such a grown-up thing. Like, they make it so confusing. And And I'm not ever telling people who to vote for. It's actually just, hey, you have a voice You have such power on that day when everyone's voting, the least powerful and the most powerful are equal. And so why not enjoy that and partake in it? And so I think what's happened is they've made it the scary, confusing thing of voting. And it's meant to be such an adult thing of once you're in your 40s and 50s, you'll understand how to vote and you'll understand where to go. And it's, yeah, but all of this is affecting all of us. So an 18-year-old girl right now in Texas can't get a legal abortion. So she should be voting. That affects her, not just the 40-year-olds and not just the 50-year-olds. So I think it's actually not – the word isn't dumbing it down, but what I've tried to do is make it less scary. of Less intimidating. It's okay. So many people messaged me after the Roe v. Wade and they were like, I'm so embarrassed, but I know you're not going to judge me. Like, I'm 30 and I just registered to vote because of that episode. And I'm like, do not be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Yeah. You're now partaking in the conversation. What is embarrassing and what you should be ashamed of is if you have all of these opinions and you're pissed Mm -hmm. and you're not voting, then you don't get an opinion. Mm take part. Yeah, I think there's an elitism that surrounds like politics that really sucks. And I want that to change so badly. It's something that I hope to do with the podcast eventually where you can have political ideas be invested in ethics and how you think the world should work and not have to be like, and I know exactly the name of the senator who ran in this history and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, not feel afraid to voice your opinion. Because I do think that I remember just in high school, the speech and debate kids being like, do you know the history of da da da? And you'd be like, shit, no. And especially as a woman, I think it's really scary, the idea of somebody being like, you don't know your shit. It's awful. And it's also just they're just trying to put you down and scare you away from the conversation that they definitely don't want you to be a part of. And I do think there's something about growing up and having a voice for yourself is very empowering. But I do think, listen, I personally think that Four years ago, there was obviously such a divide in the country with our president at the time. And I think it was very like Republicans are the devil in view of Democrats and Democrats. Like we could get all into it, but we're not going to. The point is, I don't think both sides are completely bad. We have to actually look at it and be like, listen, I understand 
That's the world. We're not all going to agree. I understand there are some people that, Alex, please don't talk about politics. For my Roe v. Wade episode, I was begged by some people like, just don't do it. Like, why are you getting into this? And I felt it was actually more, and I mean, my listeners can give me feedback, but I really tried to keep it. It's not neutral, but Mm -hmm. it's just, let's just watch. Let's just watch what's happening in North Carolina, the experience for a woman to get an abortion. Let's just watch. Whether you're pro-life, whether you're pro-choice. And the best thing, not that I was trying to change people's minds, but hopefully I'm producing thought-provoking enough material that maybe that does happen. And it did happen where I had a lot of women write in and say, oh my gosh, I live in the South. My whole life I was raised pro-life. And I watched this and I realized, I guess I am pro-choice. I'm pro-life for myself. I personally don't believe in abortion through my religion, through my upbringing. But I realized But that's not to say that I don't think another woman could make a different decision. And it was really incredible to see the shift of so many people in my DMs coming together of, huh, you know what? It doesn't need to be that we're all up against each other. There is common ground we can find. And again, so you are pro-choice if you believe let them do their thing. Let mm-hmm. me do my thing. I thought it was really profound just to have someone that was super Christian acknowledging, huh, I actually disagree with what I was raised on. And thanks for letting me. And again, I wasn't asking for them to right. change. Just listen. So I appreciate when people come into content with open minds. That's all I'm really asking. And I'm really not judging people. I understand there's deep rooted beliefs, especially based off of how you were raised, that I'm yeah. not trying to ask you to change your opinion. It's really just to understand and listen. But that's why you're a journalist. No, I'm not. Sorry. I'm a Sorry. No, I don't think that's true. Maybe that's like a fancy word or something, but that is really true. Thank you. I'm going to shift the conversation a tiny bit. We're going to come back after this break. I'm going to bother you about men and sex. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. This is so fun. Is great, right? I'm, I'm like, like oh, looks like my first three episodes are actually just Alex and I having an extended conversation where we cover everything <laughs> from Gluck 9,000 or 3,000? 3,000 and 9,000, it's different because okay. the 3,000 is a little less. It's like the hands are going in the same position, both hands, and then the 9,000 is the both hands are going in different positions. Thank you so much <laughs> for clarifying. <laughs> Revisit. God Do you have like copyright? Co- you should copyright that. I, it's actually <laughs> on um, Urban Dictionary and I do have it trademarked. I love that you have it trademarked. Genius. You have to do it. You have to do That's it. That's <laughs> so, again, smart as fuck. We've talked a lot about how your career has pivoted and how your point of view has changed, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the personal, obviously, whatever you feel comfortable with, like men and sex. You're 28 years old. You know, you have a boyfriend. You keep it really private, which I really respect and admire, honestly. But where are you at with men and sex? How are you feeling about it? Currently, I actually have never felt better about it. I think I've never been more comfortable with myself that I am realizing I've never been more sexually confident in myself. And I don't mean that. So I'm doing headstands while I'm getting fucked. Mm. No, it's actually, I feel more confident to, I hate using this word with sex, but like advocate for myself in the bedroom and know what I want. And I feel very empowered within myself that I'm 
able to not fake things and not feel forced to play along and appease the man while I'm not even getting off. And I think my relationship to sex has definitely, it's been an evolution. That's the word of the day. Because again, like I said, when I was younger, I was super insecure and I wanted the male validation. So when I was having sex, I did not really begin to actually enjoy exploring my sexuality until I would say college, but then after college, I was like, did I even explore in college compared to now where I am? And I'm like, now am I first exploring? Because I think there's this shame. I was raised Catholic, so Mm. sex to me was you're literally going to die and go to hell if you have sex before marriage. Then I broke that quickly and I was like, okay, I'm still alive. This is good. And then I think my relationship to sex and men was not enjoying it and faking it and being like, oh, like I have to have sex with him today because, and it was just more of a feeling of trying to play this part. And then when I started Collar Daddy, I will be honest, it fucked my sex life up. I was so mentally fucked up because I would walk into a room and everyone is expecting this crazy sexual deviant. And then I literally announced the Gluck Gluck 9000. And then every time I would hook up with a new guy, I knew he was kind of like, let's see what it is. Like the performance was even 10 times expectation wise. And so then I almost like as a defense mechanism, because I got so uncomfortable and I was awkward. Like, what if I don't live up to what they think it's going to be? I would be like, oh, you don't get that yet. You'll get it. But it was more. But it was more stressful. Yeah. So it was way too. It was convoluted in the sense that I was in my head about being self-objectified by myself of talking about sex and being this sexual being, but then not even feeling like a sexual being because I felt like I had to just do the steps that I created my podcast. I was so happy that I had helped all these millions of women get out there and learn how to give a great BJ and enjoy sex and get off and masturbate. I I was like, wait, but guys, now my sex life sucks. (laughs) So I had to work on in therapy, rebuilding my sexual identity Mm -hmm. and my relationship to my sex life of actually enjoying it and not doing it for performative. Like it got so crazy that I would be having sex and in my head being like, what did I just do? I need to talk about that on the next episode. I like did this thing with my tongue. You're a workaholic I'm like, Alex, you're in the middle of having sex. You're not even enjoying it. And then afterwards I would like write in my notes and I'm like, this is getting way too undercover. I'm like in there on the job. But no, now I've come to a place where I've really worked on separating sex from my career, which sounds so fucking weird. I don't know how many people can say that, but sex from my career in terms of what is Alex Cooper, the 28-year-old businesswoman, friend, daughter, partner, how do I enjoy sex? And now- How does that fit into your life? Exactly. I'm fortunate to have such a supportive partner of my career that I think that also helps where he's so- impressed by me and supportive that it's just like a prerequisite of the relationship of supporting each other that I don't feel like if I don't want to have sex on Sunday, I'm not going to just do it because I'm like, oh, but he thinks he's dating the caller daddy girl. I'm not doing that anymore. So it feels nice. And now I feel like my sex life is better than ever because I'm just like, ah, I can relax. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I can only imagine feeling like this performance anxiety. And I think what's really hard about 
there's somehow this confusion between basically whore and sexually liberated. I think it's interesting thinking about that and how men think about that and taking charge. But do you get nervous to hook up with guys? Like, yeah. you are Emily Ratajkowski. You're so fucking hot. What if you have an off day? Are you nervous? You're going to be like, she wasn't that good in the bedroom. Of course, every person, I think, has that. But then when you have this personality or this caricature of yourself that exists in the world. But I also try not to engage with men who are interested in that caricature. And you can tell that very quickly. I'm sure you can Absolutely. too. Like if I get even just a little bit of a width of, oh, Emrata though, you're Emrata. I'm like, okay, we're going right. to stop You're this like, right I'm now. dried up now and I can't. Yeah. I, I think it's hard though. It's, it is hard too. And I would just like to say to all the women listening, like I remember in college even, I wasn't public in my persona. No one knew me other than my college friends. And there was still the fear of, oh, I'm the girl on the soccer team with the blonde hair and the guys think I'm hot now. And what if I, are they going to talk about how bad I was if I was drunk or I wasn't in the mood or whatever? And so there's, I think as a woman, there's the pressure to enjoy try to enjoy the sex which is so much harder than men can it takes us so much longer to have an orgasm yeah. and so if you're with a new partner you and don't it's more different depending absolutely. on every woman's body varies so much yes. how they orgasm and then on top of that you're if you're with a new partner you're not going to be like hey could you go down there for 20 minutes and just try to like get me warmed up because you're going to come before I even get <laughs> horny. So let's try. And then on top of that, I think there's then the shame of what are they going to say? And so what happens, I think, is a lot of times girls just go through the motion of having sex and they're not enjoying it. And yeah. that breaks my heart. But I also know it's a process and each individual has to go through it and find their wavelength of this is how I enjoy sex. But I do think for especially young women in college and high school, if you are hooking up with someone that you're nervous that they're going to talk to their boys about you, it's not a safe place to be having sex with that person Correct. because you need to protect yourself and your sexual identity and your wants and your needs. And you're going to be fearful to even engage and let yourself have fun and explore and feel open to whatever happens in the moment if you're more focused on him and what he's going to do afterwards. And I think it's it's so much easier said than done. Totally. But it's just something to keep in your head. Yeah. Sex should be play time. It should be just fun and enjoyable in a way that it so often isn't because there are power dynamics at play and because because of the world we live in. And yeah, I really, I just... Well, that's why I say everyone needs... For that. Ladies, <laughs> masturbate. Because yes. the more that you know yourself yeah. and the more that you are so in tune with what you want in your body, like I... I will admit that I was not doing that and I was waiting for a man to give me an orgasm, which I was like, I think I'll be waiting till I'm dead. That's <laughs> no, gonna happen. I, Take matters into my own hands. And so I think for anyone listening, I really do encourage, like I know people get all awkward about it, but it's like, get yourself a vibrator mm -hmm. and have some alone Explore. time because then you are gonna enjoy your sex more if you're able to know like, oh, I like this about myself. If you're trying to find it through the man, yeah. it's not gonna happen because there's so many things on top of it that you're stressed about. Yeah. And you're your sexual pleasure is actually usually on the bottom and that's not your fault. It's actually more just, like, again, the society that we were raised in. Yeah. Is he pleased? Did he come? Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And it's, like and it's so scary to be bossy. I read a statistic that said that in heterosexual hookups, the first time a man and woman hook up, 7% of the time a woman has an orgasm. 7%. <sighs> 
Seven percent. Seven percent. That's such a low number. <laughs> Shout out to crazy. you guys. I'm not in that percentage. <laughs> I was not. Yeah, seven percent. I mean, I also think that's anatomically. Like, yeah. there's so many factors that come into that. I think being bossy is so important, and just communicating, over communicating. I get why that's scary because that is not typically associated with being feminine and being sexy is a woman who's move a little to the right, do this. Okay, now I want you to do that, whatever. Yet you got to get over it. And if that man doesn't like it, then he has no business being down there. I was going to say, I think he actually is definitely 100% super insecure if he's not open to that. But you can actually make him secure because then all of a sudden you say, oh, that's right. Thank you for taking the notes. And now that take feels good. Take the to note. To make the note is the Just other. A little to the left. You're not on my clit. You're on my butthole. And let's move it up. Okay. It's just a little bit of direction goes a long take way. The note. And I get it can be scary, but they're always saying shit. If you're giving them head, they're like, yeah. do this, do that. Faster, slower. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think men are so terrified down there. They're like, what is that? Yeah. And just let them know what it is. But yeah. again, it's knowing your own body so you can feel yes. confident to be like, that's not what I well, like. Well, that's step one is figuring out your own mm-hmm. body, how, what makes you feel good. And then second is having the ability to communicate it yeah. and feeling confident in that. Wow. I love that we're going to end on this note. <laughs> I do think my last point that I was yeah. thinking about is because I know everyone that will listen to this, there can be anything you take from it. Hopefully you take all the good. But I do feel like in order for change to happen and for women to feel confident and feel like we're getting a little closer to being equal, we have to have conversations like this. We're not trying to complain. We're not trying to be defensive. We can have fun. We can talk about sex. But I do think it's good to have these type of conversations. And I don't know. I think sometimes people can get turned off by them if you don't have the right mindset. But we're really coming from a place of talking about our own experiences and wanting people to just take us seriously in multiple assets of our life. And it's felt like we can't. I love sitting down with you because you definitely embody someone that people want you to stay in a lane. And I appreciate it. Look at you. You're in your own fucking studio right now, Thank bitch. Thank you. I mean, that's honestly, it's the title of the podcast, High Low with Amrata, because to me, it's all one and the same. Talking about what happens in the bedroom, woman to woman, and talking about political issues as a woman, it's all the same to me. I don't really see the difference. I understand why people see it as highbrow, lowbrow, whatever, this is trashy, this isn't. To me, it's all about communication and that's radical and that's how change happens. I cannot thank you enough for being my first guest. I so enjoyed talking to you. I don't want to be gushy, but I just admire you so much. And I can't wait to see what you do next with your life and with your podcast. Thank you so much, Emily. I'm honored to be your first guest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. (laughs) We did it. That was Alex Cooper. Look for another conversation next week on Tuesday. We will be having Miss Julia Fox on the pod. Very excited about that. The people asked. I have answered. And then we have an Emrata Asks episode on Thursday. Subscribe to High Low Talk Back coming next week. That's the subscription episode. Go to highlow.fm to become a part of that conversation. Send me your audio notes. Send me your anecdotes, your thoughts. I want to hear specifically what you guys think about Alex's evolution and the idea of being a multifaceted woman who talks about sex and also cares about politics and why we have such a hard time digesting that type of a person as 
as a culture and and also about Alex and her evolution and politics and how we approach politics and the elitism around politics. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of things that I'm, I'm curious to hear from you about. Go to hilo.fm, follow me, Adam Rada, comment, DM me. Thank you so much for listening. It's um, it's really exciting. See you next week. High Low with Emrata is a Sony Music Entertainment, Bitch Era Media, and Something Else production produced by Chelsea Jacobson. Our executive producers are me, Emily Radikowski, and Sarita Wesley. Our senior producer is Medina Parwana, and our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh. Thanks for listening.